Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for today and today's episode. Today marks one year off of alcohol for me. I had my last drink a year ago today, and I've spent the last year alcohol-free amidst some uh, pretty profound individual and collective challenges. You know, collectively, obviously, we've been moving through a pandemic and all that that has brought. Uh, personally, I saw the passing of the man I, I love the most on the planet, my father. And to confront those challenges without alcohol has been something I'm, I'm, I'm deeply proud about. Uh, th that's not to say, obviously, for any of you listening who have not quit alcohol, that that's uh, any, in any way a judgment on anyone else's behavior. It's simply a reflection of my own process. And today, the reason I want to share this with you is there was a question that was asked to me now nearly a decade ago. And it was a question that ultimately changed my life, but not immediately. It was a question that was in the back of my mind for quite some time. And I think it's one that could be helpful to you. And the question was one that was asked to me, what, it was, it's actually two questions, but what is the one thing that if you took away and what is the one thing that if you added to your life would have the most profound impact, the most transformative impact on who you are, how you show up, and the way that you're living your life? And I reflected on that question nearly a decade ago. And what came up for me, my answer at the time, was the thing that if I gave it up, would have the most profound impact was alcohol. And the thing that I said that if I added to my life would have the most profound effect was a loving, profound, committed relationship. Now, I have yet to call forward the loving, profound, committed relationship, but I believe that I am more of the man I get to be to call in that person as a result of giving up the man I was when I was um, uh, more frequently consuming alcohol. Now, I, to be clear, I was not an alcoholic. I didn't uh, enter into a recovery program. It wasn't anything of that nature. Um, not that there's anything wrong, and I commend those who have uh, confronted that journey. But I would say that I had, as many of us do uh, growing up in our culture, um, a social orientation that re revolved around frequently uh, alcohol consumption. And what I realized, especially in New York, was that there were oftentimes more days of the week where I would have a drink than days I did not. And as I, frankly, got older, uh, the consequences of those drinks became more significant. Um, you know, hangovers that would last uh, into the next day, sometimes into the next couple of days in terms of their effects on my energy, uh, the effects on my emotions, the effects on, you know, how basically I felt and was oriented towards my own feelings as it related to who I was, how I showed up, and what I was committed to. And frankly, 
you know, I mean, there's a, a lot of different ways in which this express, expressed itself. But, but quite honestly, I just didn't feel like I was being the best version of myself. I didn't feel like I was living at integrity with the man that I wanted to be, how I wanted to show up. Um, there's a gentleman who, uh, whose article I just read uh, as I reflected today, um, as I looked at other people who had discussed sort of a year-long journey without alcohol. And I discovered a gentleman by the name of Jordan Carroll. And he wrote down these questions when he was uh, considering and then ultimately made his own choice to, uh, to give up alcohol for a year. And I wanted to read these to you because I think whether you're questioning giving up alcohol or anything else that may or may not serve you at this point in your life, I think these are some really interesting and helpful questions. And there are five of them. What responsibility do I own in decision-making about how I want to feel? Why do I put myself through this and how does it serve my greater purpose? Was I going to continue to be willing to accept the discomfort and dreadful post-vacation Mondays as a cost to play the game of life? What if I didn't have to muster up willpower from depleted hormone stores to power through my hangovers like a zombie? What if I made an active choice to not feel this way anymore ever? And then really that was all summed up by one question he asked himself, which was, what benefit is alcohol bringing me at this point in my life? And this is a very similar question to the one that I ultimately asked myself. Uh, my cousin was actually asking me the question of why, when she offered me a, a, a glass of wine, and by the way, I still really like glasses of wine. Um, uh, she said, you know, would you like a glass of wine? I said, no, you know, and I, nothing dramatic. I just said, you know, to be honest, I did a kind of a cost-benefit analysis, and I realized that, uh, you know, the cost was frankly greater than the benefit. Even if I had, say, three, four hours of fun, the hours the next day that were sacrificed uh, were too costly for the benefit I felt the night before. And what I found was that with soda water uh, or kombucha or what have you, I could have just as much fun. It wasn't like I was um, sacrificing profound amounts of fun by forsaking the alcohol. And so, as I reflect on this, I'm sharing this with you because some of you may be listening because you're questioning uh, the possibility of giving up alcohol yourself for a period in time. I started uh, by giving it up for 30 days. I actually didn't necessarily set off on giving up alcohol for a year. Uh, I had a friend, uh, Lewis Howes, uh, in 2015, when I told him I had given up for 30 days, asked me what would it be like to quit for six months. And I was kind of like, well, I don't, I, I, I don't know. And I don't even see why that's a relevant question. But then because I said that to myself, I thought, well, okay, I'm going to take on that challenge. Um, and so I kind of set out with this idea of taking off six months. But given where I was and given the challenges I was going through both personally and collectively, I didn't want to reenter my relationship if I chose to uh, with, with, with alcohol under the pretense of stress or duress. And given, you know, what I've already shared, I was going through personally and what, what we've been going through as a, as a collective, I, I decided that, you know, it just wasn't really the time. And so I just kept going. And I don't know when I'll have, uh, you know, my next drink. 
sometimes people ask and I say, well, you know, if I wound up with the love of my life with a bottle of wine uh, on off the coast of Italy on an island and she wanted to have a drink, I probably would uh, would definitely, you know, probably I won't say definitely, but I would probably have a, a glass of wine in that context. It feels celebratory and, and delightful. But I think that's the context in which uh, if I if I have my next drink, it will likely um, unfold as a celebratory endeavor um, shared with someone and hopefully the person who I choose to uh, spend my life with. One of the things that I have realized that's been interesting is I probably have had less dates, if you will, over the course of the last year because um, I think oftentimes dating, especially getting to know a new person or a stranger, is often made easier socially through alcohol. What I found is that when you connect with people, you're really forced to confront whether you feel good with them, whether you actually want to spend time with them. And often I think we either socially or at least I'll own personally, you know, if someone I, I find most people fascinating um, and, you know, if someone was attractive and intriguing, you know, and we had a couple of drinks, they became more intriguing and it was, it was, it was great. Um, and it would sort of be passable. Whereas now I feel like if you're having a conversation with someone and you don't have rapport and there's not alcohol involved, you find out real quickly if that's a person you want to continue to spend time with or not. And so in some ways it's both, I think, you know, <laughs> it leads to less Frivolous conversations, which I think ultimately is good if you're looking for something more serious in your life, which, uh, you know, per that fundamental question, I realized I am. Um, but it can, I think, you know, make confronting those truths um, a little bit more of a sober experience, pun intended, uh, because, you know, you're, you're, you, you really have to confront if you're in the midst of a conversation with someone you're not really feeling connected to. Uh, without the crutch of alcohols, you know, saying, you know, I think, you know, you're a wonderful human, uh, and, but you're, you're not my human. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in whatever gracious way you can. And, uh, and when it's appropriate, you know, make a conscious exit. Um, I, w I was speaking to my good friend NQ, the poet, and he said the same thing. He said, basically, when he stopped drinking, it was just real clear that if he entered into an event or a conversation with someone, and he didn't feel comfortable, and he felt like he would have in the past gone for a drink to make it more comfortable. That was a clear indication that it was probably not his kind of party. And for me, that's something that I've really, really discovered. Uh, as many of you who listen consistently to the show will know, I've just come back from 40 days, um, which is which, which frankly likely would not have happened. I mean, this is... When you think about what, what, what you give up and what you gain, what, what I gained was the clarity of, of foresight to trust my intuition and way clearer signal as it relates to my intuition. I feel like even when, on those days when I would do the 30 days off alcohol uh, and, and previously when it was my birthday, I was with my friend Gianna and, and she offered me a glass of wine and I was like, yeah, why not? It's my birthday. And I had a, and it wasn't even a glass. I literally had a sip of wine. And the best way I can describe it is in the context of that sip, it was like I was in San Francisco and the clouds rolled in and my antenna, my intuitive antenna, my gut was kind of 
comfortably numb. It was it was sort of muted. It wasn't to say it was uh, you know a bad experience. It was just that 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 empathic or um, gut oriented signal that I think all of us have um, that is uh, sort of our our innate intelligence that comes from listening to ourselves. Oftentimes, I think we cover over those voices uh, because there's a delicate dance between those voices, obviously, and greater greater anxiety, whether it relates to our own, you know, sort of neuroses or trauma or societal messages. Um, and so oftentimes we look to assuage the concern, that anxiety and the noise of those inner voices uh, by going to a drink. And so when you don't mute out those uh, voices, when you don't fog over, uh, you know, those voices, then you are confronted with the listening. Um, and I think that what what's good about that is you, you ha it's like having a direct conversation. You may not necessarily like what you're hearing, but you can't ignore that you heard it. And sometimes we choose to avoid and deny. And the beauty is when you confront and you're clear in where someone stands or where you stand, then, you know, you can't unknow that. And so for me, taking 40 days to go off into the woods was a deep recommitment to my own inner listening. Because what I've realized is that if there's almost uh, a, an antithesis or an opposite to my experience of drinking, it's it's going in to the to the to the to the the sacred drink if you will the the sacred waters the glacial lakes of montana it's going into the places where um where i can get quiet again where i can get clear and clean again and so for me what i've gained is you know i don't know how many days this year i would have woken up hung over how many calories, empty calories I would have consumed. You know, I remember in New York, the number of, of days after where I would crush uh, the New York slice. You know, I'd get a couple slices of pizza and a Coke. Nothing wrong with that, by the way, but you add that up over the course of a year. That's so many of those calories I missed. And I remember making a commitment this birthday as I knocked on my 44th year to be the same weight that I was at 18. And I came in at exactly the same weight I was, 198 pounds, down from my peak of about 225. Uh, so I lost weight. I gained clarity. I started practicing intermittent fasting. I took 40 days and crossed through uh, over 11 national parks. I, wa I, you know, I bought a camper van in December of last year during this process. So I've, I've, uh, you know, and, and, and a myriad of other things that have happened, you know, I, I confronted the deep loss and was able to be fully present without being numbed in any way, shape or form to my father making his transition and to have been fully present for that, to, to hold his hand, to, to, to really feel what I was feeling in that and not try to, um, to pack pack it away or put it aside and to be able to look in his eyes with a clear heart and a clear mind um to to be able to say the things that i deeply wanted to say i'll you know i'll never have that opportunity back and i'm so grateful that i 
that I took that opportunity and that I did so, um, you know, fully myself without, 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 without numbing, you know? And, and so there's so many things that really I've, I've gained through the process and, it's something that I feel like as I if as I now think about you listening, if you're if it's something you're considering, you know, and that may or may not be alcohol, uh, but there's something where you're like, you know, I realize this probably isn't serving me in being the highest version of myself. I encourage you not from a place of guilt or shame, but from a, a, the place of someone who's just you know, hit a, hit a benchmark, a landmark, if you will, on my own, uh, journey, um, to, to take that challenge and to do whatever you need to do to be successful, whether that's, you know, I I would say in the context of, for example, the weight loss that I just shared with you, that was made possible through intermittent fasting and early morning workouts with friends. And we would show up at 7 a.m. every morning. Now, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have shown up if it was just for myself, but because I knew that there were people waiting for me, I was committed. It was that accountability partner uh, that really that really helped me maintain that commitment. Whatever it is that can support you in seeing through that goal of 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 really being that best version of yourself, I highly encourage you to take that on because. I can tell you from my experience, you know, it's not like uh, everything's been roses and rainbows, but I can say definitively that I have had far less dramatic ups and downs in terms of the, the being at effect emotionally through the course of the last year. I've been far more stable, far more consistent. Uh, a lot, it's been a lot easier to ascertain when, you know, I'm starting to get into the monkey mind or the hamster wheel cognitively and now have the practices to step outside. That was, I, I always knew that intellectually, but it was a lot harder to reel myself back in, for example, when I was, you know, depressed as a result of the depressant, which is alcohol. You know, a friend of mine once said, you know, uh, alcohol is the McDonald's of mind altering substances. And I think it's true. You know, it's it's not to say that uh, you know, I I don't lo- you know, I haven't in the past loved uh, some some McDonald's fries on occasion, but I generally don't feel good afterwards. You know, and and so for me, you know, I, that isn't any judgment of anyone who's choosing to you know continue to drink. I actually had one of the best conversations. Uh, uh, it was a week ago, right? One week before my one year anniversary. Probably the, the if there was a temptation, this was this was actually it. I was staying with a friend who's actually a winemaker for my favorite wine, uh, Judge Palmer, actually. And I was at his house, and he was taking out all of his favorite bottles, which he was totally open to, based on my questions. And what was amazing is, as he sipped this incredible wine, wine which I'm sure was absolutely delightful, I relished in just learning about the process of winemaking from a passionate winemaker, but I didn't actually feel that I was not present, that we in any way compromised our own rapport, and 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 I was just more and more interested in the process of seeing someone who loves what they do 
and learning about the art and the craft of of fine wine making and and at the same time i didn't feel like i was missing out by not drinking the wine which was fascinating to me i wouldn't have thought that would be possible and the next morning when we made breakfast i was extraordinarily grateful that i woke up early and of clear mind to go off and appreciate nature and not waking up you know, with a with a hangover from, you know, having sampled probably, you know, a few glasses of a of, of very fine vintage the night before. And so, you know, f- for me, what it comes down to is, you know, have you done a cost benefit analysis in your own life? Like are the decisions, the behaviors, the inputs worth the cost? Um, and if not, then you know, really considering is that something you want to continue to entertain? And from that place also, like, what could you add in? You know, I think that fundamental question that I was asked is a great question anyone can ask themselves, which is, you know, if there's one thing that you could take away and one thing that you would add to have the most profound impact on your life, what what would those be? And you know, that, that may or may not be alcohol for you. Um, it, but whatever it is, I, I would highly encourage you to, to take a period and, uh, and really challenge yourself to abstain from the things that aren't serving you and to, to do that one day at a time. And then, and then to see, you know, how, how much closer you get to that, which, you know, maybe on the other side of the equation, you know, that that aspect of of what you could call in, you know, I, I'll, I'll be totally transparent. I have yet to uh, call in, you know, I, I think the, the 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 mother of my children, so to speak, the, the woman I would like to spend the rest of my life with. But I feel at my core like I'm a better version of myself and that you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, I have greater respect for myself and more love for myself as a result of the process. And what I know intellectually is that it's not, you know, what we're doing, but who we're being that attracts everything into our life. And so I feel and I'm committed to doing the things that are an extension of who I want to be and how I want to show up. And like all anyone listening, I am definitely not perfect. I am I, I definitely make mistakes. I am still a work in progress. I am perfectly imperfect. But um, but as I take some of these steps to uh, eradicate things that do not serve me, and I do not feel are an enlightened expression of the man I want to be in the world, I think. You know, I get closer to the to to those dreams. I get closer to to the person, the the people that I will be um, most content surrounding myself with. I'll, I'll also say, just as a, as a further expression of this, you know, as someone who cares deeply about relationships and deeply about um, really thinking about the kinds of people we surround ourselves with, and you know, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I can say when you when you start to give up alcohol and that and that for lack of a better term your party friends and that doesn't mean you you cut them out of your life it is simply to say that if your relationship was revolved mostly around partying that 
and you stop partying, quote unquote, then those people may not uh, play as persistent a role in your life. And also, I think, you know, I think that's a really valuable exercise, sometimes painful. But I, I realized when I left New York, I had a ton of friends, you know, when I was when I was doing Global Citizen, I had a ton of friends and I but they would be a lot of friends who I would hear from. You know, most especially, for example, when I was throwing the festival, when they needed tickets or when there was a fun event that uh, I could invite them to, etc. And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just to say, you know, when if I needed them, if if I needed to move uh, and I needed help or, you know, God forbid someone was in the hospital or something of that nature, how many of those party friends would actually have shown up? Well, the truth is not that many. And that's a hard thing to really reckon with. But I think just like the confronting of someone who's really not meant for you on a date when there's no kind of salve or, or um, you know, social lubricant like alcohol, I think when you take things out that, uh, that, that you take out also the superficiality and some of the superficial relationships. And so I think for me, as someone who wants, who's committed to finding more and uh, deeper quality rather than quantity relationships, I also think that over the last year, I've gotten really clear on the types of experiences and the types of people that will serve me in building the kind of life that I want. And, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't uh, have another drink this year. I have no idea. Uh, I, at the moment, I have no I have no desire to. But so I, I'm not making any sort of hard declarations over the course of the next year. But what I can say is, having now made it through a year, I am so, so grateful and so proud of recognizing that something wasn't necessarily in my highest and best and taking the steps and taking the time to really get serious about uh, moving through that, you know, and letting it go. And and I'll be frank, you know, like I I was first asked that question as I mentioned nearly a decade ago, and as you could you know you could tell, I mean I didn't necessarily take immediate action. So it, it's not to say you know uh, for the you know for for anyone listening that there's any you know I say none of this with any sort of judgment. It's just to say that if you are listening and you've made it this far, it's probably for a reason. You may be thinking of things in your own life that you've been wanting to have maybe an experiment around in terms of uh, taking some time away. Uh, I think it's always helpful when making these big decisions to just take it one day at a time, you know, try to get 1% better every day as opposed to, you know, saying I'll never do this ever again. Um, and, and just, you know, making that commitment. Uh, and then and then making it a declarative commitment and then finding people who deep who do keep care about you that are aligned to that vision that goal so in other words probably not asking your your party your party friends to be your accountability partners but finding the people that will be uh support you in being the highest version of yourself to support you know to help you move through that process i think it's why although i i never have not personally participated in any 12-step programs, but I imagine in addition to those 12 steps, one of the reasons why it works is because people have a group of people that support them. There's that accountability, you know? And so I think for those looking to create that, um, I, I do know there's a blog that I read at the very beginning called Hip Sobriety, which is also kind of a cool approach and lots of resources on, uh, on, on 
you know, taking your life and, and sobriety sort of to the next level, if that's something you're, you're intrigued by. But needless to say, um, you know, I've just kind of redefined my orientation and, and I, it's not to say that I will, uh, you know, not pursue ecstasies or mind altering experiences, but overall, you know, I, I choose to do that more naturally and more as a as a sacred act and something that I do to get closer to myself uh, rather than something I do to escape myself. And so I think that's really what it's it comes down to is what are the things that we're doing that bring us closer to who we want to be and who we truly are? And what are the things that maybe keep us away from that expression? And for me, I'm committed to letting go of the things that I think are take me away from you know the man I want to be and how I want to show up so I hope this is helpful I you know I'd love to be supportive to anyone listening if anyone has any questions uh, any thoughts you can always hit me up at Michael Trainer on social media um, you know I'm, I'm so so grateful for all of you listening for the time consideration the comments uh, the reviews on of the show on on Apple um, it's growing nicely. I'm committed to continue to bring you wonderful guests. But I just wanted to come on, even though it scared me a little bit, to, to just talk a little bit about this this journey and this experience and commemorate and acknowledge um, a win. And uh, if I can support you guys in your wins, please let me know. Sending so much love, so much gratitude, and uh, to an incredible year ahead and to all of us taking on our challenges and being the best versions of ourselves.